Did you know the Franklin County Sheriff's Office has programs to support our seniors? This is Sheriff Chris Donnelly. Our triad unit provides free medical equipment to senior citizens who need help staying in their homes. This could mean the difference between going home after rehab or into a nursing home. Our incarcerated men at the Franklin County Jail work to repair and maintain donated wheelchairs, scooters, walkers, and hospital beds that we then make available to seniors for free. Just another service our Sheriff's Office is proud to provide for you and your family. The ideas and opinions expressed in this show do not reflect the views of WHMP or Saga Communications. This show may contain subject matter not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. There's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in something, you do it only when it's convenient. When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. Ken Blanchard. Hi, I'm Lisa Riley, and each week we're here to share stories, not just from current or formerly justice-involved individuals, but even those who might be considered underdogs in the game of life. All of them are hustling to put their past in the rearview mirror and start anew. And of course, we know it takes a village of resources and people to help those who are hustling to carve that new path and prove that failure isn't final. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome, everyone, to this week's The Hustler Files. We hope everyone had a really great 4th of July if you were celebrating here in the United States. Today, we're stretching our legs across the U.S. and featuring a very unique program that is disrupting the cycle of incarceration through technical education. The Last Mile program was conceived by venture capitalist Chris Redlitz and launched within the infamous San Quentin prison in December 2010. The Last Mile program is now offered in 21 classrooms across seven state prisons, including most recently the state prison MCI Shirley, which is based here in Massachusetts. The Last Mile also walks their talk by offering job opportunities to some of their former students. And today we have with us by phone from Los Angeles, Kevin Kelly and Molly Kelly, yes, they're married, who are returned citizen advocates for the last mile. So Kevin and Molly, welcome to this week's The Hustler Files. Thank Thank you, you. Lisa. So excited to have you. I heard you on the Last Mile radio show, which lives on Sirius XM, which is a great format to to have for podcasts. So, um, Molly, let's start with you. I always like to put ladies first, if I can. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about how you got involved in the Last Mile because you were incarcerated from 2018 to 2021. So can you give us sort of a bird's eye view of how that all went down? Sure, absolutely. So thank you. I had struggled with addiction on and off for um, pretty much over 20 years of time and found that my addiction um, really just got deeper and deeper over the years. I had a couple kids and in 2014, it really spiraled out of control and I ended up um, committing a whole bunch of crimes. And so with bad checks and financial things like that, and then it caught up to me in 2018 and I ended up going to prison in Indiana Women's Prison. Um, I was in inside the facility and I remember very clearly thinking, I don't know what I have to do, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to never come back to this place. 
And that means, you know, like fixing yourself and healing some deep-seated issues and growing and then finding, you know, actual employment when I got out of prison, which, you know, once you get a felony, it's so hard to find a job anywhere. So I was in inside of Indiana Women's Prison and I was like, okay, what did they have to offer? Well, I saw this thing for the last mile. And to be honest, I had no idea what it was, except I knew it was some kind of coding. And I thought, yep, I'm not smart enough for that, because that is that's something a lot deeper than what I understood at the time. Um, but the facilitator of the class came down. I was working in the law library at, the, at that moment. And he said, hey, I, I've heard a lot about you. I think you'd be really good for this program. And I was like, no, I'm not. I don't know math. That's not my thing. I don't think I can do it. And he's like, there's no math involved. I'm like, mm, OK. So I talked to my mom about it. And my mom was like, yeah, I, I definitely think that you should apply. So I applied and um, there were 10 people that applied for only four spots. I ended up getting one of those spots and um, went through the program. It took a little over a year to complete because of um, COVID. I ended up graduating in October of 2021 from the last mile um, with a full stack, MERN full stack. So I can create websites and do all those really cool things. I was released from prison in January of 2021, came home, got in contact with the last mile, um, decided that, man, I would really like to give back and help and do whatever I can. And in the meantime, a position came available for a returned citizen advocate. I applied, and thank goodness I got that position, and I've been working here ever since. That's awesome. I, I love those stories. I love the stories that you know what you went through and you were bound and determined the minute you went into the Indiana Women's Prison to never go back there again. And I've done some work um, at the California Correction for Women um, when I spent some time in California, the one in Corona, and I was there with Defy Ventures for a day, and mm. a lot of those women were just like you. Like, they went in, and they were like, I'm never coming back, and I will do whatever it takes to get out of here. So very commendable on your part. Before we talk about the lead return citizen advocate position, Kevin, let's switch over to you. So we've got some background on Molly. You know, can you give us a little bit of a bird's eye view? I think you told me you're originally from Massachusetts. Yeah, that's correct. My story's a little bit different, a lot, a lot of similarities. So, uh, yeah, I was born in Massachusetts, um, born in Boston, and, and um, we ended up moving to Central Mass, almost towards Western Mass, Orange, Massachusetts. And it's a really small town. So I was first arrested when I was nine years old. So the justice system is, I'm, I'm no stranger to it. Um, so I've been in and out of like juvenile hall, lockups, detention centers, um, even had a, a drug problem started at that age. Um, and so I have been in and out, in and out, and basically just um, creating a path of destruction um, to fuel my addiction. I had no respect for authority. I didn't believe in people, and I didn't believe in myself. And so my addiction, what ultimately happened, my addiction and me, uh, the shame and the guilt and all of those things that just piled on over the years, um, sent me running across the country to Los Angeles. And because I heard that there were cheap, cheaper drugs in California, if I'm to be honest. So I came out here thinking that me and my addiction could live happily ever after. I ended up homeless on the streets of Los Angeles. My addiction was out of control. Uh, I was addicted to heroin, uh, crystal meth, crack, you know, anything I could get into a needle is what I chased after. I reached a point where I had totally given up on life. I had given up on humanity because when I was homeless, I seen how people who were in that situation were treated by those who weren't. And um, it wasn't 
very uh, uplifting and encouraging for sure. Like I felt like, well, this is where exactly where I'm supposed to be. So I had given up. Um, I ended up committing a, a series of bank robberies and um, ended up going to prison, which uh, I say saved my life. And I know that's, that sounds like coming from somebody who's been justice involved his whole life. It's like it sounds ironic, but um, it was being plucked out of society for the little amount of time that I was and put into a place where I could really um, first of all, detox off of the drugs that have been in my system for like 20 years and then put into a place where I cried out to God. Okay. God is a big part of my story. I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for him. I cried out to God. He called out to me. I said yes to him and I've been following him ever since. Now, as far as the last mile goes, I was in a program at San Quentin State Prison. It was the construction program. And so our classroom was right beside the TLM classroom. So we would be uh, humping wheelbarrows full of cement um, in the hot sun all day for like 15 cents an hour or whatever it was. Um, and I would look into the classroom that they had and see everybody that I would talk to on the yard. And they're sitting there in their blue button-up shirts sitting in front of computers. And I'm like, man, I would love to do something like that. Um, but I didn't think it was possible. Like Molly... I was like, well, I'm no good at math because that's all you hear on the yard for some reason. That in order to do coding, you have to be good at math. And so what happened was I went by the class a couple of times, got to know the instructors and just checking in. And then when the position came to open up, I was like, oh, my goodness, I really want to try that. So I applied. Now, I ended up getting accepted. In order for me to get into the class, I had to sacrifice all the time off that I had earned in the construction class. So I had to forfeit all that 13 weeks off of my sentence. I said, I'm looking at something that could, in the long run, really lead me to something different, something greater, right? So I ended up forfeiting uh, the 13 weeks. I got into the coding class. I loved it. I was hooked right away. And then the pandemic hit. So when the, when the pandemic hit, I kind of lost touch with it. I was shortly released after the pandemic hit, and I came home and tapped in with TLM. The difference in reentry support compared to all the other programs that I've done growing up was night and day. I came home, and the support was just there. Um, and it was there beyond anything I had experienced. And just like Molly, when that position opened up, I said, man, this is what I want to do. I want to get back. And so that position opened up, and here I am, and I get to – reach back to those people who are coming after me and to help them uh, achieve their goals uh, every day. Like, and it's, it's very rewarding. So, and I met Molly, but that's a, another part of the story. <laughs> Which we, we are going to try to get to in this very short um, series of, of podcasts um, that we do and shows. I love the fact that you say you sacrificed 13 weeks because being behind the wall, that is a sacrifice, right? Yeah, all you want to do is get out. Yeah. That's, that's all you want to do. So so how long did you actually serve at San Quentin? Uh, a little under four years. Okay. And then yeah. you said you got out to come home. Did you have a home in California to go to, or did you end up at a halfway house? How did that play out? Oh, yeah. So, when the, yeah, there definitely wasn't a home. Um, when I say home, I meant just outside the gates was home to me. So at that point, I went straight into a transitional home here in Hollywood. 
and uh, Hollywood, California, and, uh, you know, did that for about six months, you know, just kept my head down. I got a job with a, a company called Urban Alchemy and worked with the homeless and all of that. So um, that's that was it right there. I just came out and stayed focused and then and then Molly and that, that was it. So what's interesting is we share on this show so many different stories, not only of underdogs or formerly incarcerated who are finding success on the outside and back in society, but we really share a lot of the resources and opportunities, which is why I love having you and Molly here to talk about the combo of both. Mm. And, you know, in Massachusetts, reentry is a very important aspect of the prison system, especially at the, yeah. the sheriff level. And I, yeah. I'm still exploring what that looks like as we go around the country. So it's really interesting for you to, to sort of touch on that. And maybe at some point we could get you guys back on to talk about just the reentry side of it, because I remember working with the CDCR, which is the California Department of Corrections, when I was um, living in California and meeting with them and learning about what was happening in California. And I always think California is a very progressive state, but I think actually Massachusetts might be a little bit more progressive. Mm -hmm. So we've laid the table, we've set the table with all of this background and baseline. And I do just want to mention that the founder of TLM, The Last Mile, Chris Redlitz, uh, started this program again in 2010. And since its inception, um, 1,192 students have been through the program, uh, according to the website, and about 467 are returned citizens like Molly and Kevin, who have successfully rejoined society. So if you guys can just hang out for a quick second with me, listeners, don't touch that dial. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to this week's The Hustler Files. Under the leadership of Sheriff Patrick Kayleen, the Hampshire County Sheriff's Office offers medication-assisted treatment for those struggling with opioid addictions. This is Mindy Cady, Director of Medication for Opioid Use Disorders. We want you all to know that we provide community-based support and referral services with our partners at the Northampton and Ware Recovery Centers. If you or someone you know is living with alcohol or drug addiction or just simply needs some direction, we're here and we're happy to help. Stop by or find us at HampshireSheriffs.com. Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. If you're just joining us, we're here with Molly Kelly and Kevin Kelly, both returned citizen advocates for the Last Mile Program, an in-prison technical education program in web development, coding, and audiovisual production that is offered in seven state prisons across the U.S. So again, Molly and Kevin, I know you're in L.A. and you're dialing in today, and I'm really grateful that you're taking the time to chat with us about a myriad of aspects around the last mile and how you got to this program. But before we go any farther, I want to hear the romantic side of the story because that's always fun. You two are married. So how did we you are. meet? So, okay. <laughs> so first, let me caveat this with this is not normal for advocacy. When you're an advocate for the last mile, you don't always marry the person <laughs> that you're working with. Um, but Kevin was released from San Quentin on July 27th of last of 2021. And I was working as a returned citizen advocate for TLM. And everyone in my department was on vacation that week except me. And we were only supposed to have like two people be released. We ended up having five. One of them was Kevin. So I called him and the first words out of my mouth is he goes by boss. 
Austin by a lot of people that, that know him. And so the first words out of my mouth were, hey, uh, do you want to be called Kevin or Boston? And he said, um, I don't really care. And so, so well, I'm going to call you Kevin. And we started talking. I welcomed him home, you know, talked about all the services that TLM has to offer and reentry and that I was going to be his advocate. So fast forward about a week or so, him and I were talking, having regular meetings, and him and I started sharing about our, our lives. And he told me, well, I'm a recovering addict. And I was like, well, me too. And he said, well, and I'm a Christian. I'm like, oh, me too. So, you know, a little bit of time went on and not, not much time, I'll, I'll be honest there. And we, uh, he called me one day and he said, hey, I, I want to share something that I read this morning with you. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So, and I said, well, I read something every morning too. Can I share it with you? And he said, yes. So we quickly started talking like every day. Day and then um, multiple times a day. And then I was on the phone with him one time and he was going out and he was handing out shoes that he had to the homeless community here in Hollywood. And I heard him over the phone talking to this woman and he said, do you want a pair of uh, shoes and socks? And she was like, yeah, and she had a real little kid voice and he ended up giving her the shoes and then changing her socks for her. And I knew at that moment, like, I was like, okay, like, this is exactly what I've been praying for and asking for. And, you know, and him and I click really well. We have a lot of the same background, a lot of the same, you know, things that have happened in our lives and moved us into the positions that we are now. And and so from that moment on, I mean, I don't know if I'm wrong or not, Kev, but we were pretty much inseparable. Now, keep in mind, I lived in Indiana and he lived in California. So our entire relationship was built on FaceTime and the amount of communication that we had. And we ended up getting married in October of 2021. Wow. From July till October, all this transpired. Uh, Yes. And we actually met in real life for the first time two days before we got married. Yeah, that was that's pretty accurate. Wow. And so like, what was the initial reaction when you finally got to see Molly for the first time in person? Like, what did you think? What went through your head and your heart? It was it was it was I was look, I'm nervous even talking about it. I was so nervous, you know, when you hug somebody and it's just like that. Okay, this is it, right? Because we can be fooled over FaceTime and social media and all of that stuff. But the second we hugged, that first hug just sealed the deal. I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. And God had showed me this before anyway, but I needed to have her in front of me. And I'll never forget that. That was probably the highlight even in the past two years, that moment right there, that first embrace that uh, put the nail in the coffin. Wow. (laughs) Well, I have goosebumps, so that's always a good sign. So let's fast forward a little bit. So give us a quick overview. What is a last mile return citizen advocate? I mean, Molly's touched on it a little bit, but I mean, is this a full-time job for both of you? And and what does your day look like? It is absolutely a full-time job and then some. Our days consist of one-on-one Zoom calls and meetings with people, phone calls. We interact and stay connected with the community that we represent and belong to. It depends on like the severity of someone's situation. They could come home and not have a place to stay. And if it's something like that, then we all jump into action and make sure that this person has a roof over their head for the evening. If it's something that they come out, they have a a roof over their head, but they're trying to get a job in the tech industry, even if they're trying to become a baker, it doesn't matter. We are going to help them achieve their goals. And we do that by uh, agendas that we work with, with action items. And we work very closely with these individuals until they feel that they are at a place where they're not necessarily needing these one-on-ones every day or once a week or whatever it looks like. And each case is so unique that you can't really put a cookie cutter outline on it. The number one resource that we have is 
this community. The fact that we're able to connect with one another and stay connected, and we do that on an app called Slack, that's what it is. But we basically are just there for them. And I know from my experience in the past that just knowing that somebody is there for you when you need somebody, it can make a world of difference. So, Molly, I'll flip this over to you. Do you have to be part of the TLM community in prison to get assistance from the returned citizen advocates? Uh, yes, you have to be a graduate of our program to be able to get our reentry services. We have 467 returned citizens right now. And so it's it, we really focus on them. Not to say, though, that if someone doesn't call us and say, hey, do you have a resource that we won't give that to them? Because we would. But yeah, we focus primarily on our people. So then I'm guessing the goal of Chris and Beverly, the founders of the program, are really working hard to expand that. I've noticed they've done some really great fundraising lately with some big gifts and I'm guessing that that is the reason that the expansion's happening because the more people they can help inside, the more help they get on the outside when they come back into society. Absolutely. I mean, and one of the things that we struggle with so much and that we're working on, and Bev and Chris are just phenomenal at, is getting hiring partners. People that are going to give our alumni the chance to be able to show that the skills that they have, the people that are formerly incarcerated have such a strong work ethic that they will just go to bat and do whatever they can to show that, hey, I'm changed and I'm going to continue to grow. So we're going to run out of time. And I just, I know that you both are working on developing a ministry, which I think we're going to have to come back and talk about that another time. But I would love to bring you back and talk about that because I'm a big believer in God and, Mm. you know, the universe and messages and and things that lead you through the valley and back up the mountains. So we will have another show about that. But before we go, I have to ask you each your own question. And I ask all my guests this question because I'm a believer in this. And this sort of goes back to the whole God and universe piece is let's start with you, Molly. I believe everyone has a life assignment, and sometimes it changes, sometimes it's the same our whole lives, and it just evolves. What would you say at this point in your life your life assignment is? Oh, wow. I would say that my life assignment is to reach back and give to the people that are coming behind me the hope and encouragement and the faith in themselves and to just show love and compassion towards them because I'm really good at encouraging people. That seems to be my gift, (laughs) so. I would say that that is my life assignment. And between the last mile and the ministry that Kevin and I have, that's really what we do is just showing people their worth and helping them to find their worth. That is a wonderful life assignment. And Kevin, over to you. What do you think your life assignment is? Man, it's a great question, a deep question. Um, My life assignment, no doubt, is love God, love people by servitude, just by serving. And, And that's what it is. I serve the other direction for so many years. And I'm pretty good at it. I just had to put it in the right direction. Well, then it sounds like you both are perfectly compatible, which is why you're together and why you're married and why you're partners in life on this journey for TLM and your ministry. Before we go, is there a website on the ministry that people could check out? Yeah, you can go to www.basicministry.com. That's wonderful. Okay, so it's basicministry.org, and that will give people some information about the ministry, more on you both, and people can donate towards that ministry on that site as well? Yeah, there's a donate button and an Amazon wish list. I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed this. I guess I just want to say I, I really commend you both. You're working towards something that's bigger than you are, and it's really been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank, Thank you so much. much for having us. It was a pleasure to meet you. Can't wait till we 
can meet yeah. in real life. I know, and we yeah. will plan that. I promise. There's, I, I feel like this was definitely a serendipitous moment. We're going to take a break, and listeners, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's more to come. At the Franklin County Sheriff's Office, our House of Corrections is a no-stigma zone. Hi, I'm Emily, and I'm an Assistant Deputy Superintendent at the Franklin County Sheriff's Office, where we recognize addiction as a disease often rooted in childhood trauma or mental illness. We support, treat, and transition the people in our care with patience and understanding. More importantly, there is no stigma in our house, and I hope you make your house a no-stigma zone, too. For more information on where you can find help, visit opioidtaskforce.org. And we are back. And this week's thoughts are a little bit different, but I was compelled to share it because I really loved the message. We get 84,600 seconds a day. Imagine if you wake up every day with $84,600 in your bank account, and every day at the end of the night, it's gone, whether you wasted it or not. But then the next day, you get another $84,600. You would do everything in your power to spend it because you know the next day you're getting another $84,600. You wouldn't want to leave anything there. You would make the best of it, right? We get 84,600 seconds of unique opportunity every day, so why waste time? It doesn't carry over to the next day. It doesn't earn interest. Take every day and every moment and make something of it. Make something positive. Let the world know you just didn't exist, but you lived. And that's another wrap this week for The Hustler Files. It is always my fervent hope that the stories and the change makers we share release limiting beliefs around incarceration and the stigmas that follow those who reenter society, just like Molly and Kevin hoping for a new lease on life. I sincerely believe it is only through storytelling and education, even like the Last Mile programs, that we can activate change. I want to thank our guests and our advertisers for their continuing support. You can find this show and, of course, all our shows on the WHMP.com podcast page and also on any of your favorite podcast sites such as Apple, Amazon, or Spotify. And, of course, if you'd like to reach out to me with any questions or comments, you can email me at lisa at whmp.com. Have a marvelous week ahead, and remember, don't be ashamed of your story. It will inspire others. See you next week right here on The Hustler Files. became an RN, LPN, mental health clinician, counselor, or recovery professional because you believe in the value of wellness, treatment of disease, and prevention of illness. And that also means that you have the right stuff to join the medical and mental health care team at the Hamden County Sheriff's Office. Making the world a better place takes a village, and even more so with justice-involved individuals. So why not consider dedicating your next career move to changing countless lives for the better? Visit hcsoma.org. That's hcsoma.org to join the team today.